0: Hi, and welcome back to Uncited, the internet's least reliable English lit podcast. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Alan. And the topic for today is Heart of Darkness, a wonderful book that is, for some reason, loathed by every single person who's ever heard of it or read it, Um, and- I don't understand why that is, but you have not read
1: it. I have correct? not. Not no. even for
0: high school. Not well. Let's let's say high school assigned, but you still didn't read it because that also. I, happens. Don't, I don't
1: think I. Uh, I don't. I don't even think I not read it. I think I was just never, <laughs> never assigned it. it. Okay.
0: So um, the story for me with Heart of Darkness was I was assigned it. So I was an AP Lit. I think yeah, AP Literature, and. Or maybe not even. It might have been like tenth grade. I, my school was fucked up, man. So, oh by the way, this is a swearing. podcast. Yeah, this is a swearing. I mean, podcast.
1: Like, I mean, this is a regular podcast with no differences.
0: Yeah, everything's normal. I everything's don't know why you're totally normal. Yeah, yeah. Out.
1: Why I would need to know?
0: Yeah. So, um, but like my high school was fucked up. So they fucked us up. So it might have been tenth grade. Like I know that we read Cold Mountain as summer reading for before ninth grade so between eighth grade and ninth grade we were supposed to read cold mountain and there were so many vaginas in that book like i remember vividly like someone having a greasy handprint on the inside of their thigh near their vagina like why was i reading that i was 13 so yeah and also to kill a mockingbird 10th grade book here in fargo yeah uh it was a it was a summer reading before eighth grade
1: for, for
0: me And that is a book about sexual assault. So anyway, so Heart of Darkness, the way that my very um, annoying school did it was they would hand you a book and they would say, here you go, read this. If you don't understand it, you're obviously stupid.
1: Ah, right.
0: And so with little context and my wonderfully, just outrageously poor knowledge of history and geography, I loathed every second of this book. I wanted to die. And also in my memory, the book is like three to four inches thick. Wait, do they do like something other than inches in Canada?
1: Uh, I think they do loonies.
0: Okay, so it was like seven lo- loonies thick. Okay. Um And...
1: Yeah, well, just thinking about it, like, I, you know, I wouldn't think... About, like, your lack of uh, love for geography, but, like this there's a lot of like oh, we were three clicks up the Denang River. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's just like a lot of it is just locational,
0: yeah, like and information, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, it's in the Congo. like, like, what I don't know what that is. I don't know what where that is. Like, I think there's a map at the beginning, but that doesn't help. So the reason I remember, well, like to to fast forward in college, I majored in English because that was what I did. I wanted to be a writer and there wasn't a creative writing major, but there were creative writing classes in the English, you know, department.
1: But of course everybody already knows all this because this is a regular podcast.
0: Right. Well, I mean, like I always go over yeah. my life all if the this time. Is your, this
1: is your first time listening to us, which is of course not true. Yeah. If this is
0: your first episode, you might want to try yeah. other episodes first. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, you know, uh, just so you can get a vibe for what this podcast is about. Yeah. So, um... So in college, I majored in English, and I hated this book so badly that when I saw... There was one of those courses that is a required course, but it's a different professor teaching it every time, so the the, the, the actual content changes every time, and I saw the reading list for this course, and it was long, and on that reading list was Heart of Darkness, among like 20 other books, Yeah. and I almost didn't take that course. I almost waited until it was a different professor,
1: Hmm.
0: and then I was like, you know... It's like, I can just not read it. (laughs) I don't remember what made me make the decision except like it's a required course. It fits in my schedule here. I'll just lump it, you know? And got to college and I'm in this classroom and instead of handing us this book, well, first of all, I bought the book and it was like half a loony thin. I was like, why do I remember this book being a tome? It's a hundred pages long. Okay. It's a hundred pages. It's like a novella. It's not a book. And so that was my first, like, huh, what's going on? And then, I, you know, when it came time to read it, um, instead of just saying, like, okay, read this book and understand it, and if you don't, you're stupid, she uh, did this thing where she gave us context. What's that? I know, right? Well, let me give you some context for what context is. We are just doing recursive context here. No, so what she did was she you know, pulled down the overhead projector and she showed us some advertisements for something called Pear's Soap. And it wasn't like pear smelling soap even though we really thought it would be. It's like somebody's last name was Pear Mm -hmm. and they made soap. And I'm going to tell you right now First of all, this entire episode has a content warning for discussion of racism. We will not be using slurs, and we ourselves like to think we're not racist, but we're talking about Heart of Darkness, so. Touches
1: on the theme. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And then uh, on, on top of that, super extra big trigger warning for racism if you Google these ads, okay? And for right now, I'm gonna briefly discuss them. It, just don't look at them if you if I mean like please understand that these were an example of bad things like she yeah. was showing us like look how shitty white people were at this time and still are like this was a, this was like a demonstration of what manifest destiny was <laughs> okay so like it was it was supposed to be like look how shitty people were the, in the the ad that really sticks out to me for Paris soap and again like skip forward I want to say a minute if you don't want to hear this is there were two cherubic children. One of them was in a bathtub and one of them was like washing the other one mm-hmm. um, outside of the bathtub. And the one that was doing the washing was white. And the one that was being washed was black from the neck up. But the implication was.
1: The soap was.
0: The soap was. Yeah. So, um, so white from the neck down. Is yeah. All, and you can read into those implications. And so. Like we, and there was another ad that was like a just like a white man with an old timey mustache, like staring out a ship window at his destiny. You know what I mean? Like, we figured out through that what the context behind this book was. Like, what was going on in the world when Conrad wrote this book? The other thing you need to know is he was trying to write a book against this. Yeah and what and so later and i told all this to my ap students when i was an ap teacher and i was like i told them everything like i hated it in high school i told them about the college experience and i said we are going to read this book and we're going to talk about authorial intent because there's that whole stupid debate about death of the author and we're going to try to decide if this book is racist <laughs> and because like you have to take into the fact that he didn't want it to be and does that count for anything yeah then i told them this book also uses the n word Three times, I think. So it already has about a thousand checks in the yes, it's racist column. So it's probably not going to win this. But let's see if it gets any checks in the no, it's not racist column. Right. Right. Like let's let's see. So um, as always, we're, we'll give a summary. I didn't look up a summary, so I guess um, it's funny. I have Libby, okay. and, which is a like a library app, and I told Alan this when I went to borrow Heart of Darkness to, you know, find my quotes and stuff, I searched literally the words Heart of Darkness and still had to scroll down several titles to find it as if Libby were saying, yeah, but you don't want to read
1: that, right? Are
0: you sure? (laughs) You want to read some romance novel about a dark heart, right? And I'm like, no, no, I want to read Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. And Libby was like, really? Like, even Libby hates this book. And I don't know why. It's so wonderful. I'm hoping to change some minds here, okay? Um, It is super racist, though. Um, that's the spoiler alert. Right. But I will read, uh, we, we, the editorialized, uh, synopsis that Libby provides, whatever that may be. No, it's editorialized by me, but all the synopsis is what Libby provides. Heart of Darkness is Joseph Conrad's disturbing novella. I think yes. A li- <laughs> yeah. A little bit of editorializing on Libby's part too, honestly. Recounted by the itinerant, ooh, that's a fun word, Captain Marlow, sent to find and bring home the shadowy and inscrutable Captain Kurtz. Marlow and his men follow a river deep into the jungle, the heart of darkness, there's air quotes there, of Africa, looking for Kurtz, an unhinged leader of an isolated trading station. They trade in ivory, by the way. Hmm. This is a big part of it, is like, Manifest Destiny was like, oh, we have to go civilize people. But really, they just wanted to exploit people. And- they were like,
1: oh, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to uh, teach them our ways and also steal a bunch of, of resources.
0: And by the way, the only reason that I can speak intelligently about this is because of that college course because again my knowledge of anything prior to i want to say 10 o'clock this morning is sketchy so you know well done that teacher she was like a professor in training or something anyway uh the highly symbolic psychological drama was the founding myth for francis ford coppola's 1979 movie apocalypse now now I have to pretend that I was doing this on purpose because it's the perfect segue. So I definitely read this ahead of time and knew that it was going to give us the perfect segue. I have not seen Apocalypse Now, but.
1: Yeah, I have.
0: You have. Right. And so what I want to do today is kind of talk about the book and the movie uh-huh. from the perspective of a person who's seen the movie and a person who's read the book and see what the similarities are and if the themes hold up. As always, when we do this show, we read a summary and then we also kind of read a selection uh, of of the poem or the book or whatever it is so that you can get an idea of the language. And what I really want people to do here is to concentrate on the poetic nature of this language because it is absolutely stunning. This guy is a wordsmith. I really believe that. For the context, what I love about this book novella pamphlet is that the first like three pages take place with a bunch of dudes sitting on a ship in the Thames in England. um, Just kind of, shooting the shit, like, waiting for the tide to either go in or out so they can, like, dock. Yeah. And Marlo sitting there and suddenly starts talking, and everyone's like, well, we got nothing better to do, so let's listen to him. And the whole book is Marlow on this ship telling them the story of when he went to the Congo, and so every single paragraph starts with quotation marks after that, because huh. the entire book is him telling, in dialogue, this story. So the narration to stay true to form is in dialogue quotes. Like, it's really cool. I like that. So I'm going to read a selection um, from this novella and see, honestly, like see if this like language brings to mind any imagery from the movie. Oh, I'm sure. So, okay. This is from, I wish I could say like a page number on Libby. It's page 188, but like it's an, it's an ebook. So, you know, but it's, it's somewhere in in the middle-ish. It made you feel very small, very lost. And yet it was not altogether depressing, that feeling. After all, if you were small... The grimy beetle crawled on, which was just what you wanted it to do. Where the pilgrims imagined it crawled to, I don't know. To some place where they expected to get something, I bet. For me, it crawled towards Kurtz, exclusively. But when the steam pipes started leaking, we crawled very slow. The reaches opened before us and closed behind, as if the forest had stepped leisurely across the water to bar the way for our return. We penetrated deeper and deeper into the heart of darkness. It was very quiet there. At night, sometimes the roll of drums behind the curtain of trees would run up the river and remain sustained faintly, as if hovering in the air high over our heads, till the first break of day. Whether it meant war, peace, or prayer, we could not tell. The dawns were heralded by the descent of a chill stillness. The woodcutters slept, their fires burned low. The snapping of a twig would make you start. We were wanderers on a prehistoric earth, on an earth that wore the aspect of an unknown planet. We could have fancied ourselves the first of men taking possession of an accursed inheritance, to be subdued at the cost of profound anguish and of excessive toil. We were cut off from the comprehension of our surroundings. We glided past like phantoms, wondering and secretly appalled, as sane men would be before an enthusiastic outbreak in a madhouse. We could not understand because we were too far and could not remember because we were traveling in the night of first ages, of those ages that are gone, leaving hardly a sign and no memories the earth seemed unearthly and i just wanted to end on the earth seemed unearthly cuz i just love this dude he's so racist though like it's i mean he 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 exists in a world where racism is a way of life still and so he he's trying to be not racist but he doesn't know how because right. no one ever has been racism is just a way of life for these white people um and so yes the book is racist but it's also beautifully written. And so we have to talk about that. Like, is it okay to enjoy this? Well, you yeah, in,
1: in in its context, you have to, I guess, know what its context was, and then you can say
0: Well, I mean, we we read Shakespeare. It's you know, very Shakespeare true. used the word Jew to mean fool or idiot. Yeah. Like he just was like, Man, if I in in our favorite play, Much A Jew About Nothing, when he said when Benedict says, "If I don't requite her, I am a Jew." And he just means I'm, an <laughs> I'm idiot.
1: A, oh, I'm a big old dum dum.
0: And and later, Claudio says, when when being asked to marry Hero, even though he thinks it's Hero's cousin, "I'll hold my will even if she were an Ethiope. Yeah. Like, in other words, like if she were black, I'd still marry her. Like it is so racist, anti Semitic, sexist, this is, and yet we read it in school and go, "Look at this guy! He's a genius." He's a
1: genius, and uh, there's kind of like um. There's an imaginary line, and I guess it's different for everybody. And um, so, like, if it was written in like 1962, then we go like, ah, oh, geez, there's uh, you know, super racist. But if it's written in in 1533, we go like, eh, it was the super long ago. <laughs> yes. And that's just the way the world was, and and uh, you know, like l- look at those uh, look at those stupid idiots in the past, which is you know,
0: well the first parale- they were still us, yeah. they were just we have to accept that this is part of our history, right? Yeah, and I think that's kind of one of the first parallels is that Apocalypse Now is about the Vietnam War. Right?
1: Yes, they up updated it for yeah, yeah, the-
0: and so that's another story about well, I-, I can't even say white people because like black people joined the army, but like. American people coming from a different country and just kind of injecting themselves well, into a situation that where they really weren't I welcome. mean just
1: just a little bit historical on it it was it was a french colony much like uh the congo the uh, congo was like dutch or something oh, like okay. that but the uh, but it was a, a european colony in a in a foreign uh far flung region of the of the world and and uh and basically the United States after World War Two took on the France's claims more or less and said, This is under our sphere of influence and we're gonna and we're gonna make sure that it doesn't fall to the Chinese or whatever. And so it was it's really a continuation of the same kind of imperialism. Maybe it's the last like pure imperialism like thing that happened. And so that it, it is a kind of a straight line from what they're talking about in the Congo. To Vietnam. So,
0: and I got that. And I think that honestly, nothing helped me understand the conflict and the conflict as if it's, that's so euphemistic. And and like, I feel like I've been indoctrinated to say that, but for lack of better words, the conflict in Vietnam better than this book. Because it's such a similar story,
1: yeah.
0: Um, and I believe that another parallel is this endless search for some mysterious man named Kurtz. Although I don't know if he's named Kurtz in, are they're there looking for somebody? Yes, yeah, so it's.
1: it's I, uh, yeah, it is. Okay. I think the same name. Oh, okay. They use the name.
0: But yeah, so this Kurtz person is built up, and he. I mean, like this is a weird parallel to draw, but he is very much like Gatsby from The Great Gatsby, in that you are introduced to him first, through stories and rumors. You don't get to know this character through, like, direct interaction with him until towards the end of the book. I mean, Gatsby at least shows up by chapter four. But like, still, your introduction is what is, is hearsay, is what other people say. And so Marlow himself has built up this impression of him as, as a god, as, as a man who you would be Blessed just to hear him speak because everybody reveres him so, and the disappointment that he feels when he meets Kurtz and he's just a lunatic yeah. is like, oh man, why did I even? I love Marlowe. Another thing is I love Marlo Like for me, headcanon.
1: Okay? Yeah.
0: Uh, for those who don't remember from us talking about this several times on this very show and definitely not a different podcast, our son is on the autism spectrum, and for me marlo is like i stand him just on the spectrum narrator and i have examples to prove this but it's like he's just he's like so clinical of his analysis of people and he's not emotionally detached from them like he sees their plight and he absorbs it but there's this one scene where a where they're under attack because for some reason the the, the indigenous people they don't, don't they don't want, them, want there. them there yeah it's weird
1: but they're bringing so much civilization and
0: enlightenment and yeah. and, and soap. Um <laughs> I guess, according to Pear's soap. Um, but they're under attack and Marlo is piloting this steamboat, this lovely steamboat, who like in college I wrote an essay about how the steamboat was its own character. Um and what I realize now is that the steamboat is not only an extension of Marlo as he becomes more and more kind of like engulfed in this um I like a way of nature, honestly, like these people, he respects them for being so in tune with nature that they're almost a part of the forest. And so at first this, the steamboat is moving really sluggishly because Marlow and his people are like, I don't know if we want to be here. But by the end, the steamboat is like a beast that is belching black smoke and chugging confidently through the river. Yeah. Um. But it's it's also because he was seeing it from the native's perspective. Um, the indigenous people's perspective. And so that showed kind of a unity that he was finally seeing through their eyes and not his own um, as to like what his steamboat looked like, right? As a, as a kind of beast, an invader, a, a monster, that kind of thing. So the steamboat's really important. I love the steamboat. Um, steamboat is a second favorite character. The hippo, my third favorite character. Okay, There is a hippo. It just keeps attacking people. It yeah, is... there's a
1: tiger that attacks people. In is it really? Oh, okay. Yeah. So
0: the tiger slash the hippo is an extension of the forest, not wanting them there. Like it is just, it is like nature pushing back and saying, please leave. Yeah. Please leave. Like the hippo is like supernatural. Like they, he, Marla's like, I swear we shoot at it every time and it just doesn't die. <laughs> so do they shoot at the tiger? Yeah. Yeah. And t- does the tiger die? No. Yeah. So the tiger, the tiger, the tiger is Vietnam saying, please get out. Um, yeah. So, that's fun. anyway, so, um, yes, so examples of this. so so he so they're under attack, Marlo's piloting the lovely lovely steamboat, and um, a dude gets a a spear through his chest right in the, you know, the the. The ship wheel place, the pilot house, the ship house, the wheel house,
1: cockpit. cockpit. I don't know.
0: I don't know. The, the drivey place. The drivey place. <laughs> so that's the, the st- that's the stern. technical term. Yeah. So, the keel hall. I yeah. Don't know. So so Marlo's in the the piloty place, and um, and this dude gets just rammed through with a spear, and he's bleeding everywhere. Hold on. As you do. Trigger warning for violent imagery. I guess <laughs> so. Uh, it had caught him in the side just below the ribs. The blade had gone in uh, out, and out of sight after making a frightful gash. My shoes were full. A pool of blood lay very still, gleaming dark red under the wheel. His eyes shone with an amazing luster. Uh, and what Marlo, like, eventually cares about is his shoes. Like, just a few pages later, this dude has died. And he goes... To tell you the truth, I was morbidly anxious to change my shoes and socks, (laughs) like because the the dude's blood got all up in his shoes. And he's like, oh, man, I, I really just want to change these like the discomfort of having bloody shoes. He doesn't seem particularly appalled to be facing death, just more annoyed by it. Um, and I'm not like I I want you to say, understand I'm not casting aspersions on people on the spectrum, but like that discomfort with the squelchiness and yeah. like also the kind of the focus on like, like what, sensory what is sensory what is practical to address like yeah. the man is dead you can't change that so he honestly just pulls off his shoes and throws them overboard and I think he's a little upset because he's like oh man those were new shoes <laughs>
1: so like well, I
0: love Marlo so so, much. so
1: the 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 uh, same character in in Apocalypse Now uh has m- much of the same kind of matter-of-factness about uh the way they're describing things and that's always it, it's very clearly meant to be uh related to PTSD in the movie um
0: Oh yeah, I can see right?
1: that. Right. So so from the very beginning when they when you're introduced to him like he's it's Is he's, his
0: name Marlo? I,
1: I think so. Okay. I, should, I would I have to do double-check, but I don't I think they kept the names. Yeah. Kurtz and Mm Marlowe, but, um,
0: I, I I forgot we were talking about how this has little baby everybody. This is so apocalypse now is basically Muppet babies. Um, so we have little baby Martin Sheen, little baby Marlon Brando, little baby uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Like there's just everybody. Like you watch this movie and you're like, oh my god, they're so yeah. So. Like
1: even like tiny little parts, like one like like five lines, it'll just be Harrison Ford. Yeah. And you're just like, why? Like why is everybody in this movie just the most famous person in the world? Yeah.
0: So Marlon Brando plays. Kurtz. I'm assuming Martin Sheen is the um,
1: it is. is the
0: Marlowe character. Yeah. No, he was I guess
1: they named him Willard. They
0: named him Willard. I wonder why not Marlowe. But they gonna, kept Kurtz. They kept Kurtz. Yeah. So
1: But anyways. Yeah. Um they, they 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 very clearly frame it as PTSD in the movie. So at the beginning he 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 went back to the United States, but he he didn't fit in there anymore. And he went back to the to Vietnam and he was in Saigon and, and basically he was just waiting for a mission to to just like go back to the the his fractured world in any way that it made sense to him anymore and so like and so when when all these horrible things were kind of happening around him his detachment was was framed as just like his psyche is kind of just detached. Well,
0: he's yeah, I mean he's retelling it. So this is this is true. Like honestly, he's probably not a character on the spectrum. I just
1: Well, it makes, I just you lo- I just well love people be. who
0: are on the spectrum and want them to be represented well in literature and I love Marlowe. Um but honestly, it's it, it's the the fact of the matter that is you're right. Like he's not in it. He's telling the story after having already survived it and sitting in a calm place so he can editorialize as much as he wants to. He can, for the sake of his own psyche, kind of like play off what is happening. I mean, I do have the wonderful... Wonderful line here of my dear boys, what can you expect from a man who out of sheer nervousness had just flung overboard a pair of new shoes? Like he just like he's like, What could you expect? I had just thrown new shoes overboard. That's how nervous I was. Like, I love him. I just love him. To, I mean, I think he's funny. I think he is a great storyteller. Um, and Conrad, by extension, is because Conrad wrote him. But that does make sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then I mean, we have right in the beginning when he's introducing the fact that he's about to tell a story and enthralling everybody. Um, He says, uh, well, one of the, one of the most famous lines is this too has been one of the dark places on earth, you know? Okay, here we go. And this also said Marlowe suddenly has been one of the dark places of the earth. So he's in England and he's speaking about how like Mm -hmm. we're not like any more or less civilized. Like I'm looking at, Buildings belching out smoke and industry and whatever. And like, I don't see how this is any better or worse than anywhere else. But what he says, he has a long speech that immediately puts students off. And I can see why, but you have to be able to really appreciate the beauty of what he's saying. And he's like talking about all of time. And like, yeah. kind of, you know, you have to be able to appreciate that or it's like very boring. And to an 18 year old, it is just very boring. But he says, It is like a running blaze on a plane, like a flash of lightning in the clouds. We live in the flicker. May it last as long as the old earth keeps rolling. But darkness was here yesterday, and I just love that line: "To live in a flicker of lightning, right? How short life is, and yet you're hoping that it lasts forever because you don't, you don't want, you know, like right, yeah. so. May it last until the end of time or whatever, and even though it's a flicker of light.
1: Well, and he's he's also talking about how England is is very different, but it has only been very different for an extremely short period of time, and it may be different, and and may be. You know, returning to a more natural state very soon. And so, and so, uh, he's saying, like, and from our perspective, we're saying, like, this is the way it should be. This is the way everything should be. This is the way everything's always been. But that you live in the flicker, you live in just in this moment. Yeah. And really, the darkness before and after is the normal. Right not, And I mean, not, not London, that's just
0: it. I was just gonna say, like when you think of lightning, there's darkness, a quick f- flash of light, and then darkness again. He's basically saying, we come from darkness, and you know we're going back into that, yeah, like we wanna we're hoping that the light lasts as long as possible, but like it's not gonna and so and and that kind of just like obviously, I like this book for teaching because it's easy to pick up motifs like darkness, um, and which leads to theme, like, you know, nobody, you know, nobody can escape the own darkness in their heart or whatever it is, you know, like it's pretty, for, for all that students don't necessarily appreciate the language, it's at least really easy to find those motifs like darkness, light, racism, you know, things like that. Um, arrogance and pride. Those are all really big buzzwords, right? Um, one of the famous things that. Marlowe discovers that uh, Kurtz has scribbled on, like, a journal of sales or something like that, exterminate all the brutes. Um, and, of course, you you have to discuss the irony because he's, like, just a murderer <laughs> and uh, got, has gone absolutely psycho during due to greed, um, you know, capitalism and whatnot ivory. Um, but he is referring to the indigenous people as brutes, even though they were just minding their own business. And then you came in and were awful.
1: And brutalizing. And
0: brutalizing. And so, you know, that yeah, brutes brutalized, huh? I never even thought about that. So yeah, so I like the story. I like Marlow as a narrator. Um, and I think that if you go into this reading it almost as you would read a poem, because the language is, I'm going to say flowery. It's, it's very, I mean, like, I don't sense effort in it. It sounds effortlessly beautiful to me. Like if if I read a poem where I feel like the person sat down and it's like, okay, I'm going to be really profound today. Let's see what metaphors can I use. Then I hate it. Like I I feel like this is p- forced profundity, and I and I can feel it, and it's stilted. Yeah. But this just feels like it just like slipped out of him.
1: Well, that and that it, if it's given that kind of narration, like his is a person telling a story, to have that free flowing nature is. Uh, a, a sign that is done very well because, again, when somebody's just telling their life story, it, it's they don't have to, like, think about it too much. It just kind of flows out of them kind yeah. of naturally.
0: And, I mean, like, I think for them – was there, like, a central vehicle in Apocalypse Now? I know they there come is, in and a helicopter. Boat, yeah. Is there a boat? Well, but oh. –
1: um, it is not quite as central, okay, as it sounds like it is the steamboat to this book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there is a there is a boat that uh, yeah okay. takes him up the river.
0: Yeah, I mean, like this this the the impetus for the story is very simple. There is a steamboat. Marlow is a kind of a restless seaman, right? He, like he, I said, I said restless. <laughs> He's a restless seaman. He he just wants to go places and like there's all kinds of foreboding like he visits a doctor to get cleared to go on this mission to the Congo to find this dude Kurtz and the doctor's like I'm just you know taking some measurements to see what you're like when you uh when you go there because uh, you're not going to be the same when you come back and Marlo's like "That's a weird thing to say okay thanks dude. Um, I'm going to go. Yeah. By the way, you've got like the three fates weaving my death in their knitting outside. Do you want to like do something about that? No. <laughs> okay. Bye. So yeah. Cause there's just like women like knitting a black scarf, like right oh. outside that office. And he's like, this is fine. That's what I love about Marlo. Even if he's only recounting that he thought everything was fine, everything is just kind of like, well, it ha- like there are cannibals at one point. Like they enlist the help of some uh, locals who uh, e- like just eat people on occasion. And he's like, well, they were helpful, you know. Uh, the the only thing I wished is like that they brought on more like fresh meat to eat. I think they had like hi- like hippo meat and it was a little old. And he's like, this really smells. But like, hey, I like these guys. They're chill. I was like, okay, cool, okay. yeah, very right. very welcoming. Our Marlo. Which is why we have that discussion about, like, is is the book racist? Because Marlowe seems much more on the side of uh, the Native people than the white people he is with. Like, he's very disparaging of any, like, white man he meets. And he, like, he he, he doesn't even learn their names some of the times. He just kind of refers to them by their profession or what they look like. There's one dude who's, like, wearing a really patched up outfit, so he just calls him a Harlequin. Like, I, I don't know. I like Marlowe as, as a narrator. But... The steamboat is, so so yeah, so he hears about this mission, he like uses his rich aunt to sponsor him or something, and the mission is get on a boat, in, in Africa, obviously, take the boat, go up a river, find a dude, come back with him. Like that's it. And, and most of the story takes place on this river as they're attempting to do what should be a very simple task of go up river with boat. Yeah. And yet um, it devolves quite quickly, which is why I love the rivet story because he's so frustrated because he's trying to fix this. Ste- he gets there and they're like, there's your boat. And he looks and his, his boats just like sitting half submerged, like at the bottom of the river. And he's like, the, the, the boat appears to be broken. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, Okay, well, okay. I'm going um, gonna to fix that, I guess. <laughs> That's my <laughs> boat. And so they spend so long trying to fix this boat. I, he also says, I don't want to bother you much with what happened to me personally um, right at the beginning, which is interesting. Yet to understand the effect of it on me, you ought to know how I got out there, what I saw, how I went up that river to the place where I first met the poor chap. That would be Kurtz. It was the farthest point of navigation and of the cu- and the culminating point of my experience. So that's really cool. But yeah, so he, he needs to fix the steamboat. He didn't even know he would have to. He was promised a vessel and he gets there and his vessel is dead. And he's like, okay. And so he goes, and again, you have to imagine like a lawyer and like um maybe like a, a I don't know, what's a nautical term, a boatswain, boatswain,
1: boat. Sure. Yeah. So, you know,
0: th- like three other dudes are just kind of sitting there like just listening to Marlowe. And he says, "'What I really wanted was rivets, by heaven. Rivets. To get on with the work, to stop the hole. Rivets I wanted.'" Because there's a huge hole in this boat, which is why it sank. "'There were cases of them down at the coast. Cases, piled up, burst, split. You kicked a loose rivet at every second step in that station yard on the hillside. Rivets had rolled into the grove of death. You could fill your pockets with rivets for the trouble of stooping down. And there wasn't one rivet to be found where it was wanted.'" Um, we had plates that would do, but nothing to fasten them with. So they had like all this metal plating that they could put over this hole in the boat, and no rivets. And I just love his passion because his passion comes out about rivets and not about like the dude who took a spear to the chest. Yeah, which I think is just—I so, like laugh when I'm reading this. He's like, over there, you couldn't like take a step. You <laughs> the ground was lousy with rivets. <laughs> they were just everywhere. You couldn't swing a cat without hitting a rivet. And it's like I see it as like um a variation on that very famous line water water everywhere nor any drop to drink yeah like you know my kingdom for a rivet my kingdom for a donkey that's a different thing yeah Yeah. so but like so he just is sitting there like i really want to fix this boat and nobody gives me rivet and then like supplies would come in like supply shipments would come in and they wouldn't have rivets in them and marlo would just throw a hissy fit and it's just like and my students are sitting there like why are we reading this about this dude who wants, like, why does it matter? And I'm like, how can you not feel his pain about these (laughs) (laughs) rivets? It's just You need to empathize, he wants to fix the boat or he can't go on his adventure. Yeah,
1: (laughs) you know, three cents worth of rivets, he'll fix his boat and he can't find any.
0: So that is the, um, I, I don't know if there was an equivalent in Apocalypse Now. Um,
1: oh, I don't think so, for the, not that, yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, so. um, I, I,
1: Somebody was really obsessed with surfing.
0: Oh, okay. And wanted
1: to go surfing.
0: Did they have a surfboard, or? Oh, yeah. Okay, that works. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the movie. I believe it's probably not my cup of tea, but we do, um, every time we conclude an episode, we yep. do a rating system. Okay. Um, and we're actually gonna do two.
1: Every time we do this? Yeah, every time we do okay. this.
0: Um, We're gonna do a rating system for Heart of Darkness from me. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a rating system for Apocalypse Now from you. Okay. Um, for me, I'm going to obviously rate um, one out of 10 steamboats. I, do, okay. I have to do 10 because this is very important. For me, the language would be 10 out of 10 steamboats. You know what I mean? But because of the racism, I'm going to rate this a steamboat half sunk in a river with a hole in it because like there's a lot of potential there, but there's a gaping hole of racism and N-words. And so I can't make... you know It's not perfect. So, I understand. For you, I feel like you can rate it by like you know we can we can do from like one crashed and burning helicopter to like a pristine <laughs> insert yeah. helicopter that uh, is really cool here.
1: Yeah, know. it just it, it, how many exploded helicopters or uh... Yeah. Um, so first off this movie is considered a directorial masterpiece mm-hmm. um, so if you're into the art of movie making and you're into like looking for you know visuals and th- 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 uh, visual thematics and all that sort of stuff oh yeah
0: Francis Ford Coppola yeah, okay, yeah. this, it, uh, this
1: it's, it's a must it's a must see if you are like a film person um, if this is a very depressing Vietnam War movie. And I, so, so if you're, okay, so out, out of, out of, uh, helicopters, um, uh, out of, uh, for movie buffs who need to see the, who want to like know about the craft of movie making and that's like something that they care about. And uh it's ten out of ten. It's oh. it's it's required. It's required watching. It's required, watching. Reading, it's watch required it. reading if that's your world. Okay. Um this is a depressing Vietnam War movie. Uh if unless you want to see a depressing Vietnam War movie, don't see it. Yeah. It's it's really you really I mean we It's a
0: very sad helicopter. It is a
1: it, it is it is exactly and and there's something there's a couple you talked about the racism in this movie there's uh, a couple of scenes in this movie that deal with um, trigger warning, some sexual assault oh yeah
0: I mean, and
1: and um,
0: that would make sense and,
1: and so this isn't a there, light watch <laughs> this is there's, and and um, there's, a, there's one scene in particular uh, where there are some um, I won't get into the details but there are some Western women who are basically stranded in a in a camp and uh and uh with with soldiers and men or whatever and there's a scene there and it's meant to be dark and it's meant to be bad and it's meant to be uh, uh something to kind of ponder but there's too much in it that's played for like comedy a little bit oh shit. not like okay yeah and that wouldn't be um kind of like absurdist kind of comedy. Okay. Uh, about the whole situation.
0: Well, I think they do that kind of throughout the movie, right? Like I love the smell of napalm and Oh morning, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, but you're, you're not but,
0: supposed to sympathize. You're not you're
1: not supposed to you're not empathize. supposed to go like, "Oh, I wish that would happen to me." No, like it's it's meant to be very dark, it's very bad. Okay. But like modern sensibilities, they wouldn't even have been able to do that. They
0: wouldn't have been able to do that scene if it weren't
1: the, the 1970s. If it weren't, if it weren't if it weren't 1970 sure. whatever. Okay. Um cuz it's it's Definitely, definitely, would be considered uh, seen through darker uh, shades sure. today.
0: So, fair warning for both book and movie: it's not yeah. light and it's not fluffy, but they are they are works of literature. Yes, in 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 either sense, and and that's something to consider. Um, if you have been confused this whole time about why you're listening to us, because you're a regular listener, you might want to check the date. <laughs> I can't I don't know how much I'm allowed to reveal. At this point, I guess we can say April Fools. <laughs> and if you really miss your regular hosts, um, you can go on over to our podcast feed. We are actually the hosts of Not Again with an exclamation point. Um we do a, a, a sort of over-analysis podcast, but about children's shows and movies. And so you're welcome to go pop over there and listen to them do their episode. I'm very excited. I haven't heard at time of recording what they've done. So if you really miss Amy and Chantel, they're coming back, obviously. this We haven't taken over their podcast. Um, and they are currently um, over there doing some great stuff. And I'm very excited to hear what they have to say. I I, I also have been a guest on this podcast. You might have heard me recently when we talked about Christina Rossetti's Goblin Market, A horrifically sexual poem um by someone who claims it wasn't sexual at all um and what else i mean we we have all kinds of support sites but you can find out about that on our podcast i feel like you should probably support amy and Chantel if you're going to support anybody yeah um but yeah so it's not again with an exclamation point our cover art is two remotes covered in popcorn and breakfast cereal cereal so you know that's how you find us um and, on okay. all of
1: the podcasting outlets.
0: Yes, exactly. And uh, let's see here. What is the? Uh, yes, we hope to see you again in two weeks. And as always, work cited, unavailable.
1: Three cents worth of rivets. <laughs> yeah. It will fix his boat, and he can't find any.